Hi guys, welcome back to the Arena Judo Podcast. Uh, it's a special treat today because we have not one, not two, but three guests in the house. And obviously I say in the house, I mean uh, we're respectively, respectively socially isolating. Uh, I'm joined today by the Calder family, Lee, Reese, and the young gun, and I'm led to believe current house champion, Kaylin. <laughs> How are you doing, guys? You're well. I'm yeah, good. good. Thank you. How good, you? thanks. You good? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, guys, thanks so much for coming on today. I really appreciate this. Um, although I suppose uh, you've got a lot of time on your hands at the moment. Nah, nah, we're so busy, it's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> nah, yeah, yeah, we've got loads of time on our hands. We'll, we'll start off, um, the question that everyone's answered clearly is, Kaylin, what's it like to hold that title? And I'm not talking the British title, I'm talking the house champion, which I hear is uh, firmly in your possession now. Well, wait, 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 wait. We've not related any household championships, <laughs> so whatever, whatever, whatever background that you've done in the family is kind of, um, it's, it's, I don't trust your sources, I don't trust your sources. To start. I do. I, I do. do. No, 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 okay, okay. He, we'll wins, he wins everything. So, if you don't know uh, Lee, Reese, and Kaylin, um, he was two times Scottish champion, Reese, uh, silver medal in the British Championships, uh, and Kaylin, youngest and... Best results of the bunch, we've got a junior and British senior champion. Um, judo's in the family. How long, is, how long has judo been in the family? Is it just the two generations? Or? No, actually, my, my, um, if I remember right, my mum said that judo, when she was younger as well, my mum done it in the, it was George Kerr's very first club, it was Tora Scotia, which is the oldest club in Scotland. What I understand, I don't, know, I don't know for a fact, to be fair, but my mum, yeah, she done it when she was head, when she, she was a swimmer, uh, a swimmer for Scotland and things like that. And then she done judo, so she done up to her um, blue or brown belt as well. So it goes back a generation further than that. Okay, and then she got you involved, and you've got your family? Yeah, well, when I was young, I done judo on the road when I was younger, as a kid. Um, and then I, um, my mum thought I was just dirty and I hadn't washed my toes, bruising. She tried to clean my toes, and it turned out that I had two broken toes. And I just, I never played football for a number of years and had to find a different sport. So you know what, I'll go back and give judo a try, and then... Sort of made it my life after that. It's just sort of, it is what I do now. It's just part of my culture, part of my religion, part of the family. So there's a load of things I want to chat, to, chat about today. Um, reason first got in touch was obviously I saw your post on the Facebook group a few days ago. Reason I first got in touch. I know you guys from Scotland. Uh, Reese used to do his best to give me a shoe up and down the mat. And, uh... Wait, just before London... You would ask me every session to do just an extra, just an extra couple of sets, just an extra. After Sam Ingram had chucked me about for an hour and a half with Tom and Aggie, you'd come over and say, Reese, can I just do a collection? Well, if I never did that time, thank you very much. It's those little habits that make me <laughs> appreciate it. And to be fair, a couple of times, I've trained a few times as well, and you always have the weird one. Is you've got all these weird, funny tricks when you do judo, Austin. Always got, like, you're grabbing at a lapel somewhere, dragging people over and landing them on the ground, you know. Just when you think you're going to go and do something, all of a sudden you just do something different. And you're like, like, what did he even do there, man? What did that? Look, it's come back. I've seen the people calling it the Majdov and all this now. It's come back. It's the Nussov. It's always the Nussov. Oh, no. one. But, um, nice. It's good. But um, you posted on the Facebook group uh, out coaching through coronavirus. Um, and they talking about what it's look, look, going to look like when we come back in terms of when, how long it'll take, whether 
as a sport, judo will be back up and running soon or longer term. So I wanted to talk about that. I want to talk a little bit about Comcom's aspirations, maybe for the boys, but also I know you're coaching, um, is it uh, Gabriela from Trinidad and Tobago? So I'm she's in the Olympics, but is that Commonwealth's aspirations as well there? Uh, yeah, we talk about that. And then lastly, I also want to talk about heavyweight judo. I think you guys are probably in the country. As a family, your best place to talk about heavyweight judo. Uh, if, you, if you don't know, I'd say, what's the combined weight of you, you three? Um, right now, 400 kilos. A small car. <laughs> Do you fit? Do you kilos. still fit in a small car? Nah, nah, okay. nah. I'm back. I need to buy a In fact, I've got vans. I just drive vans now. We don't, we don't have cars anymore. We just drive vans. Reese and, and Lee, you're both heavyweight, and Kaylin's obviously competing at under hundreds. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, if we can, if we can start uh, talking about coaching through the coronavirus, what are you guys doing at the moment? Um, I know Lee, it's your business. Yeah. I know Kaylin and Reese are involved in the coaching. How have you been hit? What are people doing? Well, How are you getting them engaged? We sort of got to on, on the business side. Yeah. On the business side, it, it's kind of like we're, we're we're lucky in a sense that. The majority of our parents are still paying their direct debits at this moment of time, which can keep us going. The boys have now been furloughed off because that's the best way that we could utilise like, to get the like, finances coming in and that. So anybody who was doing a decent amount of coaching with us, they got sort of furloughed off, um, which allowed us to then claim, obviously claim back to the government a little bit of money to keep the guys going type of thing. Um, the only good thing about it is we've got to look at a club on two, two aspects. We've got the Alice side it, where we have a permanent dojo, but we have less members. And then the Edinburgh side of it, where we've got clubs and schools and that all over Edinburgh. But the good thing about that is when we stop teaching, we have no outlay because the hall hires and that stop. We don't have to pay for the hall hires and that anymore. So it sort of works hand and fist with each other. You know, the guys are probably going to get hit the hardest are the guys who've got full-time dojos still need to pay the rent and the rates or anything like that, the things like that. And to keep the, that's the hardest part for probably guys with business. You know, guys who are in school. If you're not using the hall, you don't like, you're probably not to pay for the hall, so we covered that way type of thing. Guys who make whose judo is going to get hit the hardest, because if that's the only income they've got in, then that's a flummox, like a snooker in there for, for what they do, you know, for you guys. I not to say to that, is it? <laughs> so what what are you guys doing at the moment? Are you are you still finding that your your club are wanting to be involved? That the kids are wanting to be involved, the parents are wanting to be involved? Um, are you putting stuff online or are you just trying to keep yourselves busy? So we've, been, we've got a general thing that we've been doing Facebook Live. Um, so that was going out to just on the SV page and that's going out to everyone, to all members that can get onto it and also to other club members from, um, players from other clubs as well. We had guys from Glasgow who would take part in the session. Um, so that was myself and Kayla as well who we've managed to rope in and just doing shadow work and what that's trying to give little pointers that we can technique. Um, and then on top of that, we've got a separate group chat, our squad guys, so guys who fight for the club, the ones who are like almost like judo's their life type thing, and that kind of thing they want to do. Um, and we got, like we do Zoom calls with them, and we put them through. So we did like a, a fitness session, which Komi stuff again, and then we did like movement stuff, stuff. So we're, we're trying to work sessions for both stuff. Your your everyday player who's just coming along and as a club player type thing, but then you've also got these kids who are at 12, 13, 14, who want to go out and try and be, be, the best. Brit- be British team members and be that, that they've got that dedication, so they're, they're messaging to what days are we training this week, so we're trying to cater to both of those um, sort of people as well. So, that, that must be quite, it's, it must be quite a challenge to, 
it's exciting to have those guys involved, I guess. Like, they're keen to do more, but it must be quite a challenge. Um, are you finding that you've got enough stuff that you can offer them, or are you having to think outside the box? Are you having to make stuff up? There's a lot of, there's a lot of crossover between the clubs. I see the clubs are like, we have sort of, we sort of use the Judo Scotland stuff as well. I've posted the first two weeks of Tackers, and Tackers Tuesdays, technical Tuesday stuff, which is stuff. So we've seen that video posted on the Judo Three Facebook page for everybody and anybody to see the destination and that I'm doing. And there's, there's loads of clubs that are doing bits and pieces that. We sort of share in on them. And so when I see the destination guys are doing it, like London, McCollin or Gallum or whatever, we try to have. Because, you know, the the more the guys can get involved, even with other clubs even, you know, the, the better it's going to be. The better it's going to be for them. Because the more, the more awareness we keep it online, the more we, we can keep people in touch with judo, hopefully the easier it is for them, easier it is for them to come back to judo. If people sort of, if they step away completely from judo, it's really, for me, it's really difficult to come back to judo after that because they've either found something else or they're doing something else, you know, and we've lost that. It could be a kid lost. Do you think Do you think that's going to be one of the challenges when, let's say, coronavirus, snappy things, and it's over in six months, a year, three months? Uh, do you think that's going to be one of the challenges, drawing people back in? I think the longer it, go, the longer it goes on, the more the, the harder it's going to be for us. That's what I think personally, because I think that if it's, if it's up to the summer holidays and it's, say, June, we go back in June, I think most of the clubs will be okay. Yeah, we'll get, probably get a drop in membership a bit, but we'll all, most of the clubs will just wait till after the summer holidays and try and hit the schools again and then try and rebuild. Longer than that, long term, if, if what you've seen some posts on Facebook are saying, because we're a touching sport, in fact, we're one of the main sports that cause we grip hold each other and it's hard to run a class without gripping hold each other, that it could be that we're the long term ones that go back for the long term. And if that is the case, that could be that could be disastrous for the sport in the whole. Not just, not even just here, worldwide. You know that affected worldwide because we have a vast, a vast number of members worldwide. But if you're not doing the sport, you've not got the money, you know. And then there's something else to do, and then get them back from other sport to back to your sport type of thing. Got the dedicated ones, don't get us wrong, but it's the same as us. Our dedicated membership that will probably. That you could probably put your hands on your hat or the guys who have stuff with us and that, the guys who compete there, they're doing two to three sessions a week with us on a traditional week. The rest of the guys are coming along maybe once, twice if you're lucky. You know, the membership are fun and games membership, the rest of them that are serious are the only ones that you can guarantee probably to come back. There's no guarantee on anything. Uh, I, I don't know, I think for me, I think judo is a contact sport, which makes you initially go it has some challenges that a lot of sports don't have. But I think if you compare it to even sports like badminton or squash, yeah, you're still yeah. sweating. You're still next to people. You're within the seat of people. I don't think... But you don't have to, have to watch them. It's even rugby players. Rugby, it's a team, isn't it? It's a team. Rugby, yeah. football, you can do it. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think yeah. I think that we've got genius enough coaches that if we come back to... If we came back tomorrow and they say to us, right, you can't touch each other at judo. We would come up with some sort of way as a as club to yeah. say, right, this is how we'll run our sessions and everybody should run the sessions along these lines. Just being able to adapt. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, like the challenges we're facing now where we're having to run the sessions from home, it's, yeah. it's the same thing. It's you, you're just having to adapt. Like, there's only so much shadow which coming you can teach a kid. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And like, as players who are at a high level, we know it's not exactly the same thing as well. So it's trying to find different ways to keep a kid. And I also... And I also think that, that one of the things that judo does give you compared to other sports, night night sport, is that physical contact. Is that, do you know, it's hard to explain. It's really, really difficult to explain, to, to, to put it in words properly. But 
physicality of that it goes doing so well in schools because in schools for me they're getting told all day long don't go near each other don't touch each other stay away from each other don't. and then all of a sudden they're on a judo mat and they're wrestling each other like yeah I'm, i can wrestle with my best friend here this is what i really want to do and if you go back to when i was a kid or you were a kid wrestling with your brothers or wrestling that's what you did and that's why you love that contact and i think if you take that completely out of it then it sort of takes away a little bit of the judo type of thing for what people can give Totally. So is there anything that you think that you've learned uh, as coaches or anything that you've done that you would carry on and take forward once coronavirus is over? Technical stuff, video technical analysis stuff of, for me, the more content that's online now, the better, the better, the more, the more, the more accessible technical content online is, the better we can make ourselves. You know, I mean, don't get me wrong, there's, there's millions and millions of judo videos online. But then the more, the better, because the more kids can then go away and look up things and decide for themselves what they want to learn, how they're going to learn that, as long as fundamental technical points are correct. I agree with, like, some of the stuff that the other coaches are putting out as well is good to see for us, because, yeah, like, yeah. when you're in your clubs and when you're doing it as that, you, you only think about your club, you're not, like, you don't go to other sessions and watch other sessions, you don't go, like, at this age, we don't go out and see people. Whereas now, we're actually getting a chance to see how different coaches coach things and how they teach different elements and how they make it relatable to the kids or how they make it relatable to whoever that, whatever age group. So it's good for us as coaches as well for learning tools. So it's not just technically for kids and for the for the players that are fighting a high level. It's also as a coach, you can now look at someone else and go, right, they're actually really good at coaching that and how they break that down. How can I take that and make that work for me? And just steal little bits from everyone type thing. And that's how you build your coaches, isn't it? By by stealing bits from other coaches, by watching coaches thinking, oh, I like that, I'm taking that, I'm going to use that, I'm going to do it this way, or I'm going to do it that way. But it also allows you a bit of reaffirmation about your coaching system as well. I mean, I, I, who coach, when you're the top coach in a club, or when you're the head coach of a club, who then coaches the coaches? Where does she get his advice? You know, if you're lucky enough to have a really old coach that comes, you're lucky enough you've got an old coach, an older coach called John Barrington who's been about for years. <laughs> John comes, John comes down the club and he I thought helps. you were referring to yourself then. You've got an old coach. I thought you were referring to, referring to yourself. <laughs> he, told us, he told us before we came live it was his 50th birthday this year. So um, many have said when that happens. But you're not, you're not that old yet, Lee. Don't no, worry. not yet. But John's going to be coming down and he just comes in and he just puts his stuff on something every so often. But what he will do is he'll come and talk to us as coaches and he'll say, that was good. That was good. So it gives a affirmation about that. What you're, if they're teaching the same way as you're teaching, you know that you're teaching along the same lines as everybody else. That fundamentally, yeah. you're teaching the right sort of stuff. You know. Okay. So as an athlete in quarantine at the minute, yeah, I, I suppose you're in a unique situation as you have, I guess, your main training partner and coach right there on hand. Has it presented any yes. challenges to you? Um, it is not really to be fair because. We've got a dojo, so we can go down to dojo and we can do judo, and I can do weights. But it's good because because I can just do that. I can go where I want. I can go where I want and things like that. So, but the only problem is because we're brothers, it does get a little bit. Free. So if, I, if, me, if me and Reese fall out and I can't go right, I'm going to go train with him instead. So it's good because I've got the hardest practice from in the country just now. And I can also get a little bit of fight as well. But it's good. And now you're in the house together all the time as well. There's no escape. And then they've got to come down and back to the house and live together as well. <laughs> yeah. So there's no escaping anybody. Usually, but we're quite good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I don't want to sell it. I'll just sell it. Just in the car and just start again. The legs should take five minutes apart from each other. We're all right again. Mm. But 
I do like that you're making it clear who's boss said, okay, Lynn. Like, what, <laughs> what you said was, when I want to go train, I just go down. Yes, I, I, I get that. I see that um, when you want to go train, <laughs> those two jump. And uh, that's how Listen, it is. I'm dragging I'm the one dragging them. I found some jiggle bug again. But, you know, but, but even at my age, even at my age, that I go down and try and do some points. I can't stand with them. And I can only do the better neighbors. But even now, I want to win the neighbors. We're so competitive with each other. Such a competitive, you know, I can't I can't lose that passion in wanting to win a fight, wanting to hold somebody down, some of the neighbors. Same as Kalen wants to throw us all over the place and he does it and he catches us. And you get frustrated and it starts to boil over because you want to be the best that you've been in the past. You know, so like the guys and they compete against each other and they want to win. Me, as a as a as an older judo player or an ex-judo player, I still want to and I can't get and that's one of the things that I find hard to brush to the side. I still have that competitive nature. Love it. I, mate, I, love I it. totally understand. Still trying Glad to get out there. Never championships every year. Kaylin, there, you battled off the title this year, mate. I'm coming back. <laughs> <laughs> um, talking about it, though, you won your first senior title this year. How did that feel? What did that mean to you, Kaylin? It was, it was good. It was hard. But because I won it before as well, it's not, it's not a same. Like, obviously, it's the senior British, it's like the main British. But there wasn't, like, there was no massive name category that people go, oh, that's a worry for him. He could beat him. Like, everyone was looking at me, expecting, like, Kevin should be like, people should be his. So that made it even harder for him as well. And I hadn't really prepared for it before, so then it was, it was a bit of relief, you know, and, and it's always good to get one up on this <laughs> as well. But no, nah, it, it was a good feeling, just because I won it with my dad coaching me, first senior British champion in the house as well. I'll win it at some point as well. But it is, it is yeah, it is. Do you like he's going to get the gyms in all the time with that too? He's got to get it. It doesn't really mean it that way, you know. It's, but see, subtle, really, it's subtle, but he's just laying the groundwork. For... Like, I've always said as well, right? So, like now, even when I'm fighting, even if I was to come back and fight again properly, I always felt like no matter how good I did, Kaelin had potential to be better than me because he's got the chance to learn from what I did as a player, got the chance to learn from Manchester, and then I have the I've got the ability to pass on to him. It's like when you were up here, like, I tried to, well, I was a younger player, so I tried to train with everyone that was older. I trained with you, I trained with Sam, I trained with, because usually the guys who are at the very, very top level, once you speak to those people, they can tell you the things you're doing wrong and they can try and help you with those bits. So for me, I've not, like, I'm not saying at that very top level, but I thought at level half that I can then go back to Caleb and say, look, this is what I think we need to work on, this is what I think we need to do, and it's, it's good for I always believed that Caleb was going to be better than me and I still believe because of who me and Caleb are, Jaden's going to be even better with us. Because you can pass it's just, the, uh, it's just the way we are as people as well. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree. I, obviously, my brother who now is uh, beating people up in MMA, um, yeah. I reap the benefits of having someone who I could... Uh, not just train with but you, you get to know them in a different way do you know what i mean like it's mm. you get an understanding that you potentially it takes a long time to build with a training partner but because you're in all the day in your house with this play fighting where it becomes a little bit more serious yeah you, you understand and you listen to each other and it's easier to pass the information on and help people develop i think i think i think what you've got it's a great training opportunity. And if you don't kill yourselves, kill each other even before the end of coronavirus. Um, yeah, I think it would be good for you guys. Um, like you say, it's having that understanding as well. Like, all the days you're killing cannot be morbid. Yeah. Just by looking up. Every day. 
But like you can just see in the you know better than anyone when he's when he's not in the mood. I deal with him there, you know, and he's the same with me now because over this special with this period, we've done everything together. So I wanted to go train, we've went to train together. If he's wanted to go train, we've gone to train together because you've just got to do it. It's just it's it's one of these things. They've had they've had the opportunity to go consistently and train together, do the weights together, put PBs on the bench press and things like that. Kaelin he recently gone out, he's been in the bike a couple of Kaelin's done a five couple of five K runs up. You know, he's he's done it. They they they're doing things like Kellen's he doesn't like running, he does but he's done it just because he can at this moment in time and forcing himself to do things, you know, boundaries that he doesn't that he never have what to do before, you know. So it's good in that sense as well. So there's potentially Olympic Games next year. Um much more certainly there's going to be a Commonwealth Games the year after that. Is that the goal for you, Caden? Um, Reese, is that something that you're thinking about? So it's definitely my goal. Obviously, I want to be Commonwealth Champion. So to start off with, 2021, the qualifying is like April 21st to April 21st next year. So that year is a very important year for me because obviously the Commonwealth Games always been my first goal. And after I start talking about Olympics, depending on what happens at Greece. But I don't know about Reese. It's sort of, it's that carrot on the end of the stick, isn't it? Um, and I think, do you know what? This whole situation, again, it's kind of, for me, it's been quite a positive because I saw, I kind of took a little bit away from judo and not doing it as serious and stuff. Like, I've not really fought in the past couple of years. And I, like, I started playing rugby um, for a team in Edinburgh just to, just to do something and be competitive again and, um, find that sort of competitiveness in me, but because I can't go out and play rugby, because I can't go and do these things, I'm now finding myself back on the mat. And yes, I might be in, I might be getting absolutely battered just now. But every time I step back on the mat, I know I'm making a little bit more and a bit of a, a bit more improvement and stuff. So it's kind of forcing me back into judo a wee bit, and I'm, I'm finding that love again. So I've got till April 21st, 2021 to see. If I can get back in it and get back in properly, and then we'll make a judgment from there. And but of course, I'd love to go and, and represent Scotland and fight the Commonwealth Games as well. What's the What's the competition like for you guys? Like uh, under hundreds at the moment in Scotland. Um, is it about outperforming the other weights? Is it are there two or three people pushing you? Well, the the Kaelin, Kaelin has sort of stepped back a little bit for doing as much judo as he was doing. He was working semi-part-time, where it was more of a full-time role and it was that like Curry's and PC world, which obviously, you know, it's a catch-22. You know yourself it's a catch-22 when it comes to doing judo and finance and things and that, living, being able to have a life and being able to run a car, be able to pay for bills, to be able to go out, to be able to do anything like that, you know. Um, it's it's kind of difficult. So there's a there's a guy in Scotland who's now moved to the centre, Walsall, um, um, instead of Walsall, was in Walsall. Um, and we decided, we sat down and had a talk to Kellen and says, well, if he goes to Walsall at under 100 kilos, he's going to get opportunities to go abroad and fight in competitions that you, who are working in PC world, aren't going to get the opportunity to go and fight in. So he's always going to have an advantage over Kellen, as in the sense that he's going to get the opportunity to go and fight stuff with Great Britain that Kellen's not going to, even though Kellen's British champion and British number one, he's still going to get the opportunity because he's training full-time at Walsall. We can't afford to send Kevin full time to Walsall. I can't. I couldn't afford that. And don't get me wrong. Walsall's been good and saying, "Listen, we'll come down for a week or two weeks. We'll hook him up. We'll sort him out. He's more than welcome to come and train." So we, we do have that in the bag that we can do that. But and for a while we considered about him going down there. But the finances going down there is it's just it's it's unaffordable for us. You know? I'm home as well. I don't. Aye. I would move away from home, but I like my home too much. Walsall's quite far away. It's not like a 
it's not like Edinburgh, is it? It's not, it's not bright and as busy as Edinburgh, so there's not many people you're going to see. But I like being with my family and things like that as well, my dogs. So yeah. he made, we made the decision in the end. He, he quit his job. We, we seeked out some sponsorship. We're lucky enough to have spoke to a few people that have managed to, to sponsor him financially and has given him back financially, which, which has been fantastic. And unfortunately, we had things in place and plans in place for him to start to fight in Europe and go across to Europe and train in camps and things like that. But then at all, we had to cut every shot when the coronavirus hit. So that's sort of, so it's given him the opportunity. The, the, the plan was always for Caelan to go to 2022 and fight and represent Scotland as, as best he can. You know what I mean? By opportunity. And after 2022, then I say to him, what you do is you can sit down and make a decision. If you want to do judo's part-time and fun, you need to get a, you want to get a career because he wants to be a police officer. So if you want to be a police officer, sign up for the police then type of thing. But at least give. 2020 crack and when you grow older and somebody says to you oh, what did you do when you're younger you can say well I was a judo player I've done this done that done the next thing and they'll say I could have been I should have been I would have been so, you know he's actually tried it and so he's got the experience if that makes sense totally so I think I think I read um, that you'd thought that the Olympics next year would be too soon for you yeah. obviously it would have yes. been this year um, now next year but there's potential that you guys might be involved in another way as well. Because you're, I think I've mentioned it already, you're coaching the girl uh, from Trinidad and Tobago, Gabriella Woods. Yeah, how did, Gabby. How did that come about? Um, we, well, I was working for Judo Scotland, as you know, as a, as a development coach. And there was a team tournament in, in Lyon, is it Lyon? Lyon, in France. There was a team tournament that uh, Judo Scotland go to every year. And they asked me if I would go and be the coach. There was a team, two teams went across from Scotland. They asked me if I would be the coach and take the teams across. So it was a senior tournament. So I said, yeah, yeah, that'd be fantastic. I'd been it once before, see what to expect. Um, we went across, Gabby was part of the team. And we she was living in Scotland at the time. It was the first time I'd met her, but the boys had said to me, oh, this is Gabby, she's, she's for Trinidad. She explained, explained everything to us and all that type of thing. And then I got talking to her. Um, and we, we sort of struck off and made a good connection with each other. And then I didn't think any more of it. And then when I come back to Scotland, maybe about a month after I back to Scotland, Ewan got in touch with me and asked me that our dad was looking for a personal coach for her and asked if one of the high-performance coaches could be it. And Ewan explained to him that, unfortunately, they're employed to coach the Scottish players and that, that's a remit. They can't really go. So And then phoned me and said, listen, would you be interested in this type of thing? So I then had a discussion with her dad. Her dad was uh, talking to Gabby. She was happy with the situation. And um, we just take it from there type of thing, you know. Um, she now comes and trains with us. She wasn't trained before us. She wasn't training that much. She wasn't going to train an awful lot. She was just in and out because there was nobody really taking care of her. Now, to be fair, she, she phones us and she'll say to us, right, when we're training this week, what we're doing this week. She's quite on it. She quite sees the, the game and the goal, you know. And we've always had a plan of try and make this Olympic Games through the continental quota. Um, and go there for the experience. Go to the Commonwealth Games in 2022 as Trinidad and Tobago and try and medal, if not win it, as a heavyweight, if possible. And then in, 20, in 2024, it would have been, then go to the Olympics again, because she's young, go to the Olympics again, but this time being there on merit, going there because you're high enough up on the ranking list and you're there on, you know, you're there on merit, you're not there on charity anymore. There is no continental quarter because you're that high up that you can actually make it on your own merits. That was that was the four year plan or the three the three goals that we had step goals we had in plan for on stage for her. Cool. So is she would she be the whole Trinidad and Tobago team? Is there much judo in Trinidad and Tobago or is she if you go to Commonwealth Games in uh, Birmingham, 
Would it be her? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I don't know if there's, I don't, I don't know. There is a, a there's another so, one. There's a 73kg kilo by Speaking to Gabby, he's kind of like on, like he wants to do it one minute and then he does it the next minute. Like he's a bit hit and miss where he's going to take it serious. And plus, like, obviously because we're based here and we work with Gabby here, we don't, don't know who's coming up and trying to make or anything like that. We're just sort of working with Gabby. It's a very, very small number of judoka entering the Dandere Club, Gabby, and what, what they've got everything. And what actually, how she ended up in, in Scotland was completely by accident. She was on an IGF training camp in Hungary. Okay. And, uh, right, and she was, and then it stopped. She was there for six months, from what I remember. It stopped, and then they decided she was coming home. And instead of flying her back to Trinidad and Tobago, they flew her to London. So whoever booked her flight, went to London. So she phones her dad to London and says, listen, I'm in London. They've not, they've not got me a connecting flight. He went, you know what? Go up to Scotland because you've got an auntie in Scotland who lives just like, she lives in South Queensferry, just outside Edinburgh, and do just go up there. So she came to South Queensferry, ended up doing a bit of training at Rathall, started to enjoy it, started to like it, and she's just sort of stuck around since then, type of thing, you know. Um, Brilliant. And then that's that's when she went to Judo Scotland, um, went to France with Judo Scotland, me, and then was sort of taken on for their type of thing, you know. Love it, love it. So. Would there be a chance that one of you guys would could end up coaching her at the Olympics? The plan was, or at a Commonwealth Games. The plan was me if she went to the Olympics and it, and it did happen and it worked out well as was. But I think we only had three competitions, competitions to go. Yeah. And she was sitting in continental class. She was qualifying for the Olympic Games at the the time of the coronavirus. So we, we at that time we were making plans to go ahead as we were going to the Olympic Games in, in Japan. Obviously, I was going to go. She her plan was to get me as a coach and to go as a, a coach, and uh, Caelan was going to go as a training partner. Japan. So that, Amazing. that was a planned time, but depending on what happens now going forward, if the Olympics do get held next year, what are they going to add more to the ranking events? Is there going to be more ranking events, or are they just going to try and fit in what's been missed out in this period of time? <clears throat> type of thing. That's all up for grabs. Nobody knows where we're coming along with that yet, type of thing, you know? Yeah, totally. Um, kind of lost my track, as I always do on these kind of things. Um, <laughs> But I wanted, I wanted to ask before before I let you guys go. I wanted to ask about heavyweight judo in Britain. Um, does British judo have a problem getting heavyweight judo players or keeping them and uh, or, or getting them to an uh, international caliber level? Um, and if so, or what would you do about it if there is a problem? Just what I think. I think. Uh, well, I've been. As a coach, as a personal coach, I've been quite lucky. So, um, Kaelin, obviously, Reese is, is, is a bigger guy. He was he was he was only nine kilos when he fought proper fought. He fought under nineties and that. Um, I've had Valentino, we've had uh, Michelle Boyle, we've got Gabby. You know, so through coaching myself, I've actually coached quite a few heavyweights, British champion heavyweights, and that type of thing. I've done really, really well at different levels and that. I just think that the, there's there's few and far between heavyweights and. Um, if they go to a club with another heavyweight, that's fine. But if they go to a club that's full with, with lightweights, it's difficult to keep them. Because all they ever get told is, oh, careful, watch what you're doing. Don't throw too heavy. Don't. Because everybody looks, at, everybody looks at a heavyweight and thinks, me, I always wanted to be the heavyweight hunting a lightweight or, or, or being clumsy. And don't get me wrong, everybody can be clumsy. You know, we've all thrown something and landed on them when they hurt them or damaged them or injured them in some way or another doing, doing trying to do a judo throw. You know, so for me, I think the more that you can get them together as a group, to let them know, listen, you're not on your own here. There's, there's loads of years, you just spread more rapidly. You're more across the country than what we'd like you to be. Yeah. You I, know, and it's... I, sorry. 
No, I was going to say, I think, I kind of think you hit the nail on the head. For me, I think heavyweight players almost get that nastiness tore out of them. Because they're yeah. constantly told, you need to be careful. You need to look after this person. Oh, don't use your strength. Yeah. You know, so by yeah. the time they reach national level, um, and, yeah. and potentially it's different for under hundreds players. I'm thinking more of men maybe as well. Potentially yeah. it's different um, for the unders and, and the women because they have more bodies to go at. Um, but for the overs guys, I think by the time they reach the top, they've been told so many times to be careful, look after the people. They don't know how to be nasty or they don't know how to be strong. But you and when you do get someone... Do you, do you know what as well, James? Being a bigger guy, I've always been a big guy. I've always been you know, a really big guy, right? There was nobody more conscious of my size than me anyway. You know what I mean? If that makes sense. So if I was fighting with somebody, if I was... I mean, I was lucky that when I brought up at a, a smaller club, my club coach was always skill over strength lead. Don't use your strength until you have to use your strength. Try and be, use the judo. Use the judo. And to this day, I try to teach. Try and make the judo and the technical side it work over your strength, you know, it's it's fantastic you can lift 120, 150 kilos in that, but you're going to burn out within 30, 40 seconds, you know what I mean, if you try and do that constantly, so use the skill, use, you know, and it's, it's, it's it is, it's, people get told, Shelly was probably the one that I've seen it the most with, she'd been in a club where she was training with guys and younger kids and she was throwing people, and then she came to our club and she had Keller, she had Reese, she had Kaelin, she had Valentino, and she would throw them or do Nagakomi, you could see at the end that she was holding on to them and putting them in really gently, and I'm like, this is Nagakomi, throw them, throw them like you need to throw them. You know, because like you say, it's what you're going to do in competition. So the more they direct that, the easier it is for them to actually do it in a competition. And take all the anger out of them, because you need to be able to turn on and turn off and turn, turn your switch. You have to go on the mat thinking, I'm going to rip your head yeah. uh, and just come off the mat and go, hi, pal, thank you very much, and shake your hand. You're not shooting on those friends when you're off the mat. Yeah. I, I, I genuinely think it's, it's an <laughs> issue for heavyweight judo. And I think it's the reason why uh, Chris Tasty has yeah. been able to kind of dominate the British scene for so long because he's not afraid of being strong and he's not afraid of being aggressive in nah. a way that you sometimes see um, a lot of the other top boys at heavyweight yeah try more looking after the people they're fighting than they are about fighting yeah. and, and I think that's a hard wild thing and that's what you're taught back in the club you're hard wild in the club to take care of your players not there whereas Tasty didn't matter about me Kaelin or Alexander Shaw, you would want to head off no matter what size you are, you know what I mean? 60 kilos, 100 kilos and over 100 kilos. Tasty just wanted to walk, you know, and that's that's what he had. And his fight back against Mikhailan mm-hmm. and then and then is on the For me, up to the goal to score, Tasty was winning the fight with sheer aggression and not allowing Mikhailan to actually get in the fight. And then suddenly and it was almost a score, he realized I could actually oh I could win this. I sort of took the pace off that, took the step off that pace. And that's where Mikhail come into his own, that type of thing, in my opinion. Yeah. You, you know, so having that aggression and having that anger and throwing that hand and nobody's scared to, to club somebody when you're going for your grip as a way, I think that's all part of it. I think that's all part of it. No, I totally agree. Um, we've been chatting for a while. Before I let you guys go, who do you enjoy watching at the moment? Who in the senior circuit, the international circuit, who do you guys enjoy watching? Myself. I think right now, for anyone in Judo, the most exciting thing just now is the Abbey versus Mariama battle. Yeah. And I don't see anyone who can heavyweight player like it's just so exciting. Two unbelievable judo who are just and one of them's gonna go and one's what that's what's crazy about it. And it's nobody, like nobody, there's no clear difference between them as well. Yeah. So you can't say 
Yeah, this one's better for this and that one's better for that. You can't do that because it's good for each other as well. I think it's I think it's easy for me personally, right? You ask who I love to watch kids. Okay. 10, 12, 9. You watch the kids, it's country just judo. There's no there's no politics. There is no like I've got a relationship with him or we fought each other five times then on the mat and just fight each other. Watching the kids at the tournament is spectacular. Especially when a kid suddenly does this fan judo, a big Cienagi or a big Uchimata or a nice heart, a nice piece of judo at that young an age for me is second to none, you know, because it's, it's pure, pure, it's raw, and it's just what judo's about. You know, that kid walking off that mat with the biggest grin on his face, day. and the coach grin as well because he's did something you've taught him type of thing. Yeah. You know, that's on there's, there's tons. Teddy Nine, I can't beat Teddy. Look, Danny's a good fighter. There's so many good fighters, it's unbelievable at this moment in time. Taking a step back, who would you guys go with at 66 if you were uh, Kose at the moment? I'm an Abbey fan. I'm an Abbey fan. Like, <laughs> I, think, I think Mariama's got like just as nice judo, if not better judo. But I think if the story of him and his sister on the same day at the Games, yeah. potentially win the Games, is unbelievable. Yeah, I agree with that as well. And I think they've both got just as much as each other. It's one of those things, like, I respect Mariama, but that whole story of him and his sister on the same day, it's one of these things that's hard to, hard to compete against, you know what I mean? See, I like the story, but I would go with Mariama because I think he's, he's a lefty, isn't he? Everybody hates yeah. a lefty. Everybody hates a lefty. Lefties hate lefties. Lefties hate lefties. Exactly. <laughs> um, guys, if people want to find out a little bit more about yeah, your journey to commies and beyond that, Kaylin, or about the club, where can they find you on social media? Uh, do the free Facebook page. That's where most of the posts are created. Or on my own Instagram, I post like most of my results there. Daily updates or weekly updates on competitions, training, things like that. We're and do the free Facebook and Instagram. Brilliant. I will stick it in the show notes. Um, guys, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Happy birthday to your mum as well. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> oh, it was an interesting one getting presents for today. Yeah. <laughs> Two meters distance. Especially when I remembered yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thanks so much. See you later. See you later, James. Bye bye.